Well, summer turn is almost here. Now that many of the students have left for the summer, you are probably doing quarterly inspections and realizing you needed to order more replacement furniture. So what do you do now? The furniture you did order, it's currently being loaded on containers in Asia. Well, Appalachian University Systems has you covered. AUS has been supplying universities and off-campus housing with great furniture for almost 30 years. They know the unexpected happens, and they keep inventory in their Birmingham, Alabama facility for many of the basic pieces that you use for your furnished apartments, like mattresses and beds and other case goods. Look them up at theausway.com. Again, that's www.theausway.com. And if you are a developer planning out your next student housing project, AUS is set up with in-house designers that can work with you and your architect to make sure the design concepts are extended to the feel and look of the furniture as well. Again, check them out at theausway.com. Welcome to the Student Housing Insight Podcast, where we are putting you in touch with the people who bring student housing to life. Welcome to the second part of the transportation episode. Uh, we did this interview with Doug Martin from Transpar. Transpar is a company that recently took over a national contract with Scion to take over uh, the properties that Scion has with transportation services that, that they were managing themselves. Uh, they were having a lot of issues in regards to how's the best way to manage this and making sure that they had um, all their liability issues covered. And they ended up finding a group called Transpar. And, and I'll get more into the interview uh, as far as how all that came uh, about. I'll, I'll save that for Doug. But we uh, we ended up coming back into the studio and having a Greta and I having a conversation about about bus services that student housing communities are providing and the fact that it's just uh, you know another amenity that you're providing and therefore it is an extension of your community's brand so if you didn't hear part one of the transportation episode <laughs> make sure you go back and listen to that because we cover uh, i feel like a, a wide range of of issues when it comes to transportation and and when a community decides to offer that you know what that should look like what that should feel like um, especially what that should feel like so again if if you're getting to this episode before you listen to part one please go back and and take a listen to that but i'm going to go ahead and hit play so that you can hear from doug martin from transpar doug welcome to the podcast Thank you very much for having me, Wes. It's a, it's a fun to be here. Hey, any reason I can get out of Charlotte to come down to Charleston, I'm all in for it. <laughs> I understand. <laughs> yeah, beautiful office you guys have here, and I appreciate you allowing me to, to come down and take some time and talk about transportation and student housing. So, uh, you know, I, I'm going to ask you the origin story in just a second, but, uh, you know, transportation, when I got into student housing 20 years ago, someone told me that, you know, I would have to manage a, a fleet of a couple of, of buses and come up with schedules and hire drivers. I would have told them, no thanks. You know, what, what does that have to do with student housing? And I think um, it was probably maybe five years later, I was managing a fleet of buses. 
<laughs> so, you know, and, and just to describe to some of our audience members who, who may want to try to figure out how we got here is when you're looking at student housing and how everything moved from on campus to off campus, from a purpose built standpoint, it really started with you know, right around that periphery uh, of campus, right? And that's why you have all the campus edges and university edge communities that are out there. And, and then as developers um, saw the evolution happen with, with student housing and it, become, it became more and more something that people were looking at from an investment strategy, it was easier to make the numbers work by going a little bit further from campus. So you ended up getting, especially in markets like, um, you know, Raleigh, Tallahassee, Gainesville, you end up getting things that are three miles from campus, right? And part of the answer to that was, okay, well, let's look at transportation. Is there, you know, public transportation that's available? Can we get on a bus route? Or can we provide our own shuttle service? And that shuttle also be a moving billboard for, for the property as well. And so it turned into something that I don't think this industry was really prepared for, for as far as managing that type of that type of business. Now, here we are, and I was really encouraged uh, a few months back and then even maybe a month or so when I when I met with you and Rich for the first time of uh, of hey, this is not something that we have to face alone. There are groups out there that do a lot within this industry, uh, which is what your parent group does. And Scion had reached out to you guys about a lot of their portfolio and, and then ended up striking a deal so for you guys to, to manage that for them. So with that being said, I'm gonna, that's all of the origin story I'm going to give away because I really want to get the rest of it from you. Sure. Well, thanks. Uh, so Transpar is part of the Transpar group of companies and Transpar itself was started a little over 20 years ago aiming to help school districts that manage their own transportation, much like some of or most of the student housing community does where they manage it themselves. And for the last 20 years, we've been in that lane, so to speak, in that swim lane, managing and providing advisory services. And over time, uh, that expanded to both other districts or other state agencies that use contractors or vendors to provide their actual equipment and drivers. But for the most part, other than a few things here and there, like providing all of the transportation for the 1996 Olympics in Atlanta. Ah, cool. Yeah, that was, that was a fun one. Uh, we pretty much stated that kind of K through 12 sort of stuff. And then a couple of years ago, we partnered with some other companies and that changed uh, the risk portfolio for us and essentially allowed us to be able to now staff drivers. And so we staff drivers for school buses and for other types of things. And so when Scion reached out to us now almost a year ago, uh, we said, hey, this, is, this looks like something we could definitely help somebody with. Uh, so we moved very quickly. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, for that to be just a year ago and knowing the academic cycle and everything, it sounds like because you guys were in place by August, that had to move really quick. It did. So... Uh, they contacted us in June, and uh, we had a few exploratory conversations over the phone and then agreed to present a proposal to them in the middle of July. And we walked out of there at least uh, with a handshake agreement to get to work, and we would allow the paperwork to catch up as, as necessary. <laughs> and uh, that was the only way we were going to make, you know, an August 6th or an August 8th or 
some of the real early start dates. And so we came back from there and within two weeks, we were traveling on site to all of the locations. And, and by the end of September, we had 12 or 13 locations up and running uh, all across the United States from Washington State all the way down oh, wow. to, to Alabama and pretty much everywhere in between. And one of the, I think the keys for Scion in particular was, hey, we're growing and we need somebody that can grow with us. Uh, and we don't wanna have to find a vendor to do this for us in every location we just want to know that we can pick up the phone and say hey we've got another one get it together yeah and that's exactly what happened again in the first six months so we they gave us a call in uh early winter and said hey we're looking at some stuff and we're probably going to need you to be ready to go as early as before the end of the calendar year and they had to be <laughs> very very vague in what they were talking yeah, about yeah. for obvious reasons. But then on December 20th, they completed a $1.1 or $1.2 billion acquisition of an entire portfolio of properties. And we took on eight more properties. And some of those, we actually began operations the day of closing. So we did some travel right there at the end to make sure that we were going to be ready to go because some of these properties don't shut down for the holidays, except maybe for the day before and the day of. Christmas, for example, or New Year's Day, but otherwise they run every day. Yeah. And uh, so on December 20th, we were we were operating at probably close to a handful of those eight. And then by mid-January, when school started back up, we were in what is now 21 properties in 14 states. Gotcha. And, and of course, my mind immediately goes to thinking of that transition process and you know retaining the the current drivers and doing all that kind of stuff but i know as we go through this interview we'll we'll get into you know a little bit more of it um but just you know let, let's kind of start with you know what the, the obvious what what problems in, in student housing did you see from what you know from those early conversations with scion to, to even now that you knew you could solve or help solve and, and what are you doing with that now? Sure. I think from an outsider's perspective, initially it was a lot of, well, maybe we can do this more efficient than you do it. Uh, we could certainly bring things like driver training and background checks and drug testing, both pre and post employment training and drug testing to the, to the forefront and ensure compliance with state and federal regulations. That part of it is very easy from what we do. What we learned very quickly was that uh, just like the rest of the transportation industry, it's really hard to find drivers and it doesn't matter who you are, finding drivers at this point in time in our economy and for actually the last four or five years has become incredibly difficult. And when we got to the locations, there was a lot of Oh thank goodness somebody is going to take this away from me. Wait, yeah. wait, what do you mean? I don't I don't have to find drivers anymore. <laughs> I don't have to I don't have to deal with someone calling in sick anymore. You you guys are going to do that for for us now? Yes, we're going to do that for you now. And there was a lot of relief for those in the audience that that experienced this firsthand. I think there's a a very large amount of time spent on the transportation solution at the property level that goes unseen at a few echelons above that. And especially in the current environment, their drivers in general don't make a lot of money. And so when rate increases are experienced across the board in that geographic area, the drivers start moving around. 
And so we work really hard to make sure that we are proactive from that perspective, because I think consistency is a big bonus for this industry when that resident sees the same driver day in and day out. Yeah. That's, that becomes a big part of who they see as a representative of the property and not necessarily as a representative of Transpar. We don't put our drivers in uniforms or anything like that. There's nothing to distinguish them from anyone at the property. In fact, if the property still wants them to wear property mm-hmm. uh, clothing, then that we're fine with that. And then we just ask that on Fridays they get to wear whatever university they're representing. So yeah. and we try to keep the kids uh, or the, the drivers, I should say, at Alabama from wearing all of our <laughs> material. Yeah, otherwise you got to fight on your yeah, hands. Yeah, we, 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 we don't need any of that. So. Um, well, and, and let's talk about drivers because that was probably kind of one of the key things that, that stood out to me. You know, having a transportation system or a transportation option for for your residents when I was in, when I was coming up in student housing was, you know, you were just thinking of the literal goal of getting them back and forth to campus. And then one of the benefits that I really discovered from it is if you hire the right person, and you you communicate with that driver just like you should with all of your employees about what's going on. They can be a tremendous asset, and um, you know, and I can even tell you stories of of bus drivers that ended up getting more leasing commissions than what our leasing agents actually did because we brought them into that, saying, "Look, you're in front of these these students. We're we're trying to get them into the office. We're going to their doors, and they're not." You know, they're not answering the door. So we know that they're getting on the bus and we want to make sure, you know, if it's something as simple as, hey, we're doing some repairs on building three, you may not have water today, even though we've sent out a text message to you. It's just it's great having that, you know, additional communication happen. But when it came to renewal time or when it came to just having ears out on the property to hear, you know, when somebody was going to have a party that might get a little out of hand. Tell me a little bit about, you know, how you guys are approaching that, because I'm sure a lot of the property managers you began to, to, to meet said probably right away, hey, I love this driver. You cannot take this driver from me. Absolutely. And that's a part of the very first conversation that we have at the property (laughs) level is, okay, so which drivers do you want to keep and which ones would you rather us not keep? And uh, we've seen it all from, you got to keep every one of our drivers to you, you better not keep any of them Yeah, um, and everything in between. So once we get on site with the drivers and even beforehand in the interview process, when we're looking for new drivers, we make it very clear to the drivers, look, you're obviously first and foremost, you're, your job and your goal is to ensure the safe and reliable transportation of these residents to and from their destination, whichever direction that might be. But right on top of that is we're here to be an enhancement to the resident's experience at this location. And as soon as we are no longer an enhancement to that residential experience, we're not going to have jobs here anymore, whether that's you as an individual driver or us as a company, that's what we have to bring to the table. We have to allow the maintenance folks to do maintenance on the properties and not have to substitute drive. So we need you to be dependable, reliable, safe, and incredibly customer service oriented 
because at the end of the day, that's what this entire industry is really all about. And that's yeah. both sides, whether it's transportation, passenger transportation, or student housing. It's it's a they're both incredibly customer service oriented. Yeah. So I think what we do now is currently a comprehensive set of solutions where we are managing the operation, we're conducting training of the drivers, we do everything related to the driver, and we do everything related to the asset or to the vehicle itself. So from acquisition to maintenance to fueling to disposal, uh, we're calculating and providing all the information on that asset, which can ensure that you're operating it for the appropriate amount of time and the appropriate type of asset. If you don't need a diesel engine or air brakes, then there's no reason to pay for a diesel engine and air brakes. First of all, diesel engines are more expensive to both purchase and to maintain. It's The fuel itself is more expensive. There's more ongoing maintenance having to do with a diesel engine, especially in winter weather. And air brakes are an entirely new or entirely separate test on a CDL exam. So when you go hire a CDL driver, you're not even guaranteed that they can drive your right. your equipment. And if you have air brakes, now you've limited that. Air brakes are certainly necessary in some aspects uh, or in some environments, but in most, it's probably not needed with, with, these, with a lot of these vehicles. So whether it's the driver itself, the operation itself, or the asset itself, we take care of all of those issues and to this point you guys um as far as with the with the scion deal because i believe that's the only student housing client at this point you guys have currently correct that's correct you guys haven't provided new equipment it's just all that it's all been taking over their own equipment and the property still own that no so actually we've already started renewing their fleet okay so uh we have locations that have have reduced the number of shuttles in operation because we've gone to a bigger shuttle a lot of times when when properties operate their own, there is a tendency not to get above the 14 passenger level because then they're required to have CDL mm -hmm. drivers and CDL drivers are harder to recruit, uh, but it's also much less efficient and cost effective to run. More. I thought it was 15 passengers, so it's 14 passengers. 14 passengers, 15 including the driver. Okay, the okay. The driver counts as a passenger of the vehicle. Gotcha. So whether it's a 15 passenger van or a 15-passenger shuttle, you have to have a CDL with a P endorsement once all the seats are full and someone is going to stand. So many states will allow for standing capacity on those types of vehicles, but only if the driver in the seat is legally licensed to provide transportation, which means a CDL with a passenger endorsement for going above that total 15 headcount. Okay. okay. Uh, and so that that's very that's something that probably sips through the through the cracks a lot. Yeah, I was sitting here thinking I probably operated some stuff the way I wasn't supposed to. So especially on the way back from the football game. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I think two other areas that we that we help with are risk management and technology. Technology, I think, is fairly fairly prevalent now across the student housing industry of the ability, like you can with Uber, to track your shuttle and, and those sorts of things. And, and we use a partner called SafeStop for all of that. So we make sure that we have GPS installed on every one of the shuttles that we operate and the residents are able to know where the bus is and where it's going to and where it's coming from and, and all of those sorts of things. We can also send out notifications via the app. So if there's gonna be a change in the schedule or something like that, we can 
we can push notifications out via the app. And then the last piece is, is obviously risk management. So having insurance to cover a vehicle and to cover a driver is a little quite a bit different than the property insurance on yeah. on the property itself uh, that you're managing. And so as the provider of the driver, in the case of Scion, we provide the liability and property damage pieces of that. Uh, and so that helps to provide a degree of separation for the property and the companies involved with the property itself from any liability concerns having to do with, with the driver or an accident that they might get into. Obviously, we take compliance of the driver and the vehicle very seriously because that's the business and the industry yeah. that we're in. So we track all of that very closely and very well to keep our own interests you know, to be able to stay in business, to, yeah. to stay in to stay in business, as well as we've had a lot of conversations about when when it makes the most sense or the least sense to actually operate the shuttle, and uh, we've been very successful in in helping change some schedules from providing very late night weekend oriented shuttle services to focusing on providing academic related shuttle services. Yeah, so let's really quick let's go back to the technology thing. Because uh, I think everybody is familiar with the GPS capabilities and and just you know the fact that a student can you know see from their phone where the bus is at, that's that's helped a lot with with that you know just with the service in general and having that transparency so that the customer is not sitting there thinking what's taking so long. But what what do you see coming uh, you know down the road? I mean, you guys are at the cusp of this. That from a transportation standpoint, what do you see coming down the road in regards to technology? So I think the biggest impact move that will come certainly within the next decade or, or possibly shorter is the move to virtual monitoring of driverless vehicles, uh, especially in passenger transportation. I think we've got a long ways to go uh, in K through 12 in terms of parents feeling comfortable putting Johnny and Sally on the school bus without adult supervision. <laughs> yeah, uh, but I think college kids and uh, or college students are much more open to doing that sort of thing. And I think you're going to well, we're going to see it this year at the University of Michigan, right? They're going to start testing this. Yeah. And so with cameras and the ability the ability to stream video and and those sorts of things getting better and better and better all the time. I don't think we're all that far from having that sort of a solution uh, and possibly even combined with an electric vehicle where you're now out of an, you know, a, a fossil fuel mo um, provided vehicle into electric driverless, which is really going to be a game changer. That's going to be really, really dynamic to see where that goes and how it will change uh, certainly the cost structure yeah. of the industry because Anything in the passenger transportation industry is primarily driven by driver cost. Uh, it's at least 50% of your costs, yeah. if not closer to 60% of your costs. So when you remove that, obviously the asset itself is going to become more technologically advanced and have an increased cost over what that asset looks like today. Yeah. Today's bus will be cheaper than the bus of the future, but that's still a minor increase compared to what you're removing yeah and now 
for example, all of the management operations of dispatch, scheduling, et cetera, that we do centrally for all of these properties now, we would be adding that virtual monitoring piece to that. And it's not like every property would have to have somebody doing that themselves. Yeah. We, we can, we can now we got to figure out how to, how to replace the, to bring that human element back in to, to be able to have that communication with That's residents, right. you know, so solving one issue and creates another. It creates <laughs> another. So yeah, we'll have to figure, figure that another out. Opportunity. So exactly. Now, you know, getting back to, to the part about, you know, compliance and a lot of times for whatever reason, a, a bus is going to go down. It could be like you mentioned with insurance. It could, it could be a wreck. I've certainly had that happen where sometimes it's the bus driver's fault. Sometimes it's another car. Uh, either way, you've got a vehicle that's out. You guys bring some, uh, obviously, some advantages to that. Can you go into that a little bit? Sure. Deeper? So from a fleet management aspect, uh, we don't believe that it's advantageous to keep a backup vehicle sitting on your property, for example, in order to solely provide backup services. If you've got, for example, you want to run a full day schedule and then an express service, where the express service runs from 7 to 10 a.m. and then again from 2 to 5 in the afternoon because you think that ridership-wise, that's where you're the heaviest and you need extra capacity or extra capability during those times, then it's going to make more sense to have two vehicles even though you're not running one all day. However, if you're just going to run one shuttle or you're just going to run two shuttles, there's no reason to have a second or third for the sole purpose of it being a backup, unless possibly it's already paid for and it's six, seven, eight years old mm -hmm. and you've taken really good care of it and there's some way to ensure that, that the maintenance costs don't get way out of whack. Uh, or you've got multiple properties in the vicinity and it's providing backup services to multiple properties. Uh, but otherwise, you're better off looking to the rental market or some other type of outside There's a lot service. of problems with that, too. There are. And, you know, just to give the audience kind of an example that you and I talked about previously, you know, I had a, I had a property that that happened. I think the first time it happened, it was a maintenance issue. The other time, I, I know uh, this particular, on this particular property, the, the bus was involved in an accident, and we're waiting on insurance costs and everything else uh, and those, for all that stuff to come back so that we can take care of that. And, uh, yeah, we've got to go to Enterprise Runner Truck, right, and get that 15-passenger, 14-passenger van. And then there's the issue of, you know, they've got to have a credit card. They've got to have it on site. It's, you know, uh, next thing you know, you've got a property manager that's got a, you know, two $3,000 hold on their credit card. And that ends up causing issues. So with you guys, all that goes away. That goes away. That's right. Uh, so we, we organize all that out in advance. We have national accounts with Enterprise and National Rental Card to ensure that we can, we can mitigate all of those issues. And each vehicle is assigned a card so that the property manager's card doesn't have to be used for fuel or maintenance or, or any of those types of things. And something else I want to go back to uh, that you mentioned as well is being able to convince a client about, you know, the academic purposes of this versus 
some of the other things that we get into. Obviously, we've got you know we we've got a demographic that is known for partying, right? And uh, there's been that same issue of transportation to these properties that are three miles from campus. Typically, means they're also three miles from the bars and the clubs and all those places that students want to go to. So there was, you know, a lot of these services were providing what's commonly referred to as the drunk bus, the party bus, maybe Thursday, Friday, Saturday night kind of thing. And it's it's one thing for another for another transportation entity, you know, be it a local transit authority or the university providing that. It limits that liability, but I saw a lot of, and I'm guilty of it as well, seeing a lot of these, these student housing operators provide that at their facilities as well. That w- was really kind of scary in a lot of ways. And, you know, talk to me a little bit about, obviously, um, as you mentioned, you talk Scion out of, out of doing that. I think there's some real common sense stuff behind that, but I don't think everybody really thinks about it. So if you want to expand a little bit on that, I think that would be helpful as well. Sure. So obviously driving during the day as opposed to driving into the wee hours of the morning is is generally preferred by most drivers. So just the driving... Most insurance companies would agree as well. That's right. <laughs> and we'll get back to the insurance piece in a second. But So finding the drivers that are willing to do that, you're probably going to have to pay the driver more. Now, every driver wants to make more money as well, so everybody's got a, a price that yeah. they're willing to do that for. If you're going to use the drivers that you're using during the day, now you're into overtime. Yeah. So you're either at time and a half out of the gate or at least time and a half because that's just what the driver's willing to do it for. How's their mind working? How are their reflexes working at that right. point? Yeah. And then depending upon how many hours we're talking about, there's, of course, regulations about how many hours a driver can operate on a day before they take a certain number of or certain length of break and then consecutive days as well. So there's just all those sorts of things that you've got to monitor and how many drivers it's going to take to fulfill that. On top of that, if something's going to go wrong, more than likely that's when it's going to go wrong. I think all of us had a a mom or a dad that told us (laughs) nothing good happens after midnight. Right, right. right? And uh, so that doesn't stop uh, when you go to my mother had a little more colorful way of putting it, but I'm not going to say that on a podcast. <laughs> uh, and so that that certainly holds true here, and insurance companies know that as well. So there's going to be an increased liability. So the overhead costs increase, the direct costs increase. We're going to have to have someone that's available to answer the phone if the shuttle breaks down at 2 in the morning or if there's an accident at 1 or 2 in the morning. So now our internal overhead costs are going to increase that we are now passing on to the client. And at the end of the day, how many how many residents are truly using the service and, and even worse or, or even less, how many are abusing the service? Okay. And so what you end up calculating for is the abuse of the service and then spreading that cost across the entire property. And I don't know that that's the best use of of those funds. So I think that you can take a similar amount of money, uh, which for a year of doing Thursday, Friday, Saturday nights, which is what is generally typical, uh, you're probably talking um, in the tens of thousands of dollar range for providing just that piece of service. Uh, That's a lot of Uber rides. Yeah. 
where you can divest yourself of all of that and not have to worry about well should the, should the shuttle driver have taken the resident to the hospital to have their stomach pumped instead of taking them back to the property and then the property manager being left with that individual in yeah. their common area because yeah. they couldn't make it to their room yeah yeah no that's certainly the liability in and of itself even if everything happens great but you're putting a driver you know into a situation that um, a decision has to be made and you know it's one thing i like about the driverless part is you know you're taking someone that's monitoring something completely out of you know out of the emotions of it and yeah that's you know when emotions get involved some of the best decisions aren't always made so Man, I could really get on a subject about driverless <laughs> vehicles at this point. But so, Doug, you know, there's a lot of things that you said in that liability piece that I think a, a lot of our audience members who are currently providing their own services can certainly take away a lot from just that discussion. What are some of the other things that you would, if there's a group out there now that that's currently servicing this on their own, or maybe they've got somebody local? that that's doing it someone without the national footprint that you guys what are some key takeaways that you that you would give to them uh so i think ultimately it comes back to safety and if you're going to do it yourself you need to take a look at what what training are you providing to your drivers what opportunities do they have to become more professionally proficient and skilled at what they are doing the more you treat a professional driver like a professional the more professional they will act yeah. and they they will bend over backwards for you drivers are great people and they will do they will do about anything you ask them to do if you're treating them professionally paying them a fair wage and providing them with benef the benefit they're looking for for them and their family so i think that's one piece of it another piece is really try to better understand what the fully burdened cost of your transportation system actually is because it doesn't equal fuel plus maintenance plus driver salary. There's a lot more to it than that. And there's a heck of a lot. It's not just their salary, it's their benefits and everything well, else. Well, and, and not even just that, but there's a heck of a lot of opportunity cost yeah. that comes into play for your staff and at that property and what they're focused on. Because as soon as a driver issue or a transportation issue occurs, that becomes the closest alligator to the canoe. Yeah. And that's all they're focused on the rest of that day. And if that happens to be on the day of the open house, so be it. All these folks are coming in for your open house and half the staff is nowhere to be found because they're yeah. covering the route themselves or, oh, you know. God only knows whatever else. Yeah, I could certainly speak to that from personal experience, but even when talking with, with Mitch Smith, who's been on the podcast before, uh, Chief Operating Officer at Scion, you know, I asked him prior to this interview, hey, how are things going now that you guys have moved over to, to Transbar handling it? And he said, you know, don't think that you're going to go into that and, and find you know, any kind of cost savings. In fact, it may end up costing you a little bit more from an operate from an operation standpoint. But the liability part of it was the number one thing that he brought up. And then, and how that you know, there could be something down the road that could end up you know bankrupting a property. You know, if 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 it came down to it. The other thing was just what you what you mentioned is it now gives 
give them the ability to focus on what they do the best, um, and especially that site staff, and not have to worry about, you know, like you said, the alligator that's closest to the canoe, it's always going to get, you know, the captain's uh, attention. So having property managers that are focused on that just doesn't make sense. So. Right. At the end of the day, we're providing a service, and it's a human-to-human at least for now, interactive service. And many times transportation is actually treated much more like a commodity than a human interactive service. And so when it, when we are viewed as a commodity, it's going to be very hard for anyone to get past the dollars and cents. But when we're not viewed that way, then it's really a pretty simple discussion. Let's all focus on what we're good at and everybody's going to be better off. And that's exactly what we were able to do with Scion. Yeah, yeah. So we talked about the technology piece and kind of what was on the horizon with that. Um, tell me what's on the horizon for Transpar and, and moving into the student housing space. What's on the horizon for, for you guys? I think the, the biggest thing for us is we, we got really lucky. The first bite at the apple, so to speak, was somebody that wanted everything. Yeah. And they just wanted us to come in and take over and we're certainly capable and and have done that but we don't have to do everything and so we can unbundle what we have what we are currently providing in any number of ways for anyone that needs help or is looking for a particular piece of the puzzle to help them complete what they're doing if they just want the sourcing of vehicle they just want the right they just want the fleet management piece or they just want some advice in helping to figure out what their route should be and what and how many shuttles gotcha. they should have running it and what type of shuttle or hey are we past the useful life on our shuttle or or should and should we go buy another one should we buy one or should we lease one what's the advantage yeah. to either side can you just take on the management of the vehicle itself and we'll still continue to do the rest Hey, we've got this whole thing covered, but we don't have any driver training. Can you help us provide driver training? And the answer to all of those questions is yes. We can break this down as, as small as is expected or needed for a client or or come in and, and do the whole thing anywhere in between. Cool. Very cool. Well, Doug, I appreciate it. And if any of our audience members want to get in touch with you guys to either ask those kind of one-off questions or to just say, hey, I'm throwing my hands up. I want you guys to come in and take take over all of it. How's the best way for them to get in touch with you? Uh, so you can reach me via email at dmartin at transpar.com. That's D as in Doug, my last name, Martin, at transpar, T-R-A-N-S-P-A-R.com. Or you can visit our website at www.transpargroup.com. Great. I appreciate it. Thanks, Wes. Well, guys, that wraps it up with our transportation series that had to end up going into two episodes. Anyway, I appreciate everything that you guys are are sending to us, uh, both in in LinkedIn and other social media outlets. Um, I really appreciate all the just, you know, kind of all the the virtual hand claps that are happening out there about what we're doing with Student Housing Insight. And 
um, you know, want to want to hear from you guys on you know other topics that you guys want to you guys want to hear about. So please, please, please reach out to me on all the social media handles that we have. Uh, pretty much, if you can just go to Twitter or Instagram or and put in student housing insight, you'll you'll end up finding us. But yeah, please send me your your direct messages. I think. Sending me a DM on Instagram is probably the the easiest way to get a hold of me, um, and also on LinkedIn. Again, guys, I appreciate it. And this episode of the Student Housing Insight Podcast was sponsored by AUS Furniture, Appalachian University Systems. Go check them out at theausway.com. Again, that's theausway.com. dot